0: This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, half Measures sounds like Megatron's battle strategy.
1: <laughs> Kia ora and welcome in to episode 142 of Half Measures. I'm joined as always, by my co-host, Dan Whiting King. Dan, I have received quite a bit of feedback about us talking about the weather, so I'm going to skip that and say, hey, Dan, what's going on?
0: Who's your pick for the World Cup? (laughs) You're really throwing me here, the World Cup. Um, What what World Cup are we talking here? I'm going to need more details.
1: Oh, I I apologize. This is the Football World Cup that starts next week. I mean – Half the podcast today is going to be about it, so let's get let's get going.
0: And so, just to really cement my lack of knowledge of um, football, so World Cup. So we're talking like you know, could it be Brazil? Could it be? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Let's go with Brazil.
1: You're going with Brazil. That's not a bad choice. I mean, they they are up there. This has been played in Qatar, by the way.
0: Someone should place money on that. You know, this is like when when idiots like myself make these calls. Yeah, sometimes they just play out. You know,
1: I'll do a post on the socials and say Dan's pick Brazil. He's never wrong. He makes a lot of money down the tab, so this could be another one.
0: Yep. half half measures betting advice. We're here for it. Exactly. Who, who, who's your pick?
1: Uh, I'm probably going to go with uh, a bit of a shot call. I'll probably I think Argentina are going to. Surprise a few people this year. I feel like they they haven't won it in a long, long time. And I feel like it could be could be the Argies this year. Um, England it's are there. Of course, gonna,
0: but you know. I nearly said Argentina. That was going to be uh, like I sort of in my mind. I'm like, oh, uh, Brazil, Argentina, uh, Germany, mm, Brazil. Yeah.
1: Can never count. That's my thought process. Can never count out the Germans. Uh, the Welsh are going to be there as well. That's pretty exciting um, to have Wales there. But this yeah the conditions for play, the World Cup's not normally played in November. It's because of the heat in Qatar. If they played in July, it would be 50 degrees temperatures. So uh, when it comes to what have I been watching over the next couple of weeks, you can expect me to spend most of my time talking about football. Spoiler alert.
0: I cannot wait for these conversations. (laughs) They're going to be great. (laughs) They
1: They really are. Anyway, that is more than enough football chat Dan we've got quite a few things to get through a couple of shared watches this week but first of all what have you been watching
0: All right, so I've got a a TV show and a a movie for you this week before our uh, joint watches. And I lightly mentioned this TV show a couple of weeks ago uh, after watching Mythic Quest. But we have recently just jumped on the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia bandwagon. And so this TV show is on... uh, Disney Plus here in New Zealand, and this is one of those TV shows that has long, long, long been on my radar. It's something I've wanted to watch. There is about 18 seasons of this show, so it kind of feels like a, a steep ass to jump into, mm-hmm. but it it's always kind of recommended to me in line with, like, a Seinfeld or keep Your Enthusiasm. Uh, it's got that real sort of sense of humour, and so decided to jump in, season... Watch season one season one and many people have said this to me so so be warned if you haven't watched it a little rough like a little like came out in 2005 uh definitely that sort of like real real sort of raw curb enthusiasm type sort of mm. um content probably rawer than that they, they deal with some pretty hectic issues um some pretty dark comedy but i'll tell you paul we're having a blast. This is this is really good. We've, we've already kind of started on season two. It feels like a perfect palate cleanser, particularly when, you know, like I'm a big fan, obviously, of The Office. You and I are always watching Curb. We're always watching Seinfeld. This is – it's kind of great to have something new in the mix. And we normally sort of only watch one or two episodes because it feels like such kind of a, a dark – dark comedy show that you always kind of feel a bit too self indulgent watching any more than that. So we're kind of scattering it throughout, but so far so good. Season two is looking very promising. Fantastic cast, good storytelling. Season two, Danny DeVito joins the cast, and just so good. It's so good having someone like Danny DeVito on a TV show. And obviously, I'm very late to the party here, but this is this is fun. But he was the the one I
1: was going to quickly mentioned when I was looking at all the names you know 162 episodes there in total and Danny DeVito's there for 152 episodes I mean I don't think I could ever tire of his voice It's just one of those wonderful actors and just always hilarious this is really interesting timing Dan because we having gone through various palate cleansers you know talking about Seinfeld talking about you know we've your enthusiasm coming into that final season there um or they're they're, they are making a new one but in terms of everything that's aired and so we're in that position of finding that palette cleanse as well and um i'm i'm not discounting this at all i mean the ratings on it are real high quarter of a million people giving it 8.8 out of 10 can't be wrong
0: and it's a real simple concept right like this is basically about um a few friends that um, have brought a bar together they kind of incompetently competently run this bar they they deal with all the issues and I think that's what I like about sort of going back to these sort of shows is they kind of really speak to the time that they were created so you know you really get those strong 2005 2006 vibes when you know not everyone has a cell phone yet like there's still sort of emerging technology some of the uh like the 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 jokes and the humor are not things that you'd do today but it's kind of a it's a bit of an interesting time capsule mm. and like just such honestly I, I can't give enough props to to the creators um Rob McElhenney and uh Glenn Howerton like and you can see like as, you know someone who's probably kind of done this a little bit around the wrong way I can see because I enjoyed Mythic Quest where that sort of some of the sort of humor and stuff is sort of um, drawn from, and there's some great sort of uh, connections between the two. I'm only I'm only in season two, so I have a very long way to go. But I think this will keep us busy for a good several months as we sort of keep watching it in between our other regular watches.
1: I love that. I love it. I love a, a good find and you enjoy it and then you see that there's seasons ahead because you you're invested and you know it's safe it's not like it's going to get cancelled it's all done i actually think that is such a great find um and obviously rob mckell as you've enjoyed with mythic quest i am um, i've actually <coughs> I've just, just started a uh a rob mckell show that he stars in um i'll be talking about that in a week or two i imagine um but he is he is hilarious but uh there's a lot here that appeals to me, so I'll be keen to to perhaps join you on this one, maybe.
0: And they're that good classic length as well, right? Like we're sort of talking twenty, eighteen 18 to sort of 22-ish minute episodes, so perfect for a before bed, while you're eating dinner type thing. So that is the, the TV show I've been watching. So yeah, if you're keen to watch it here in New Zealand, it's always sunny and Philadelphia is on Disney+. The other thing that I've watched uh, this week is a movie called Fall and this movie is currently I watched it um via sort of Apple iTunes is one of those movies ball that is you know we often talk about those uh kind of close quarters movies where it's you know that all the scenes are kind of captured in a in a, a, a tight sort of vicinity. Yeah. And so this movie is basically about two, two best friends um, who go on a bit of a, a journey of finding themselves, and they, they climb a 2,000-foot um, tall radio tower. The fall. A fall. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And this movie, Paul, really kind of surprised me about how great it was. This is a movie I highly recommend watching. I don't actually recommend what... Like, I went into this blind. I, I saw no trailers. I, I knew nothing about it. The least you know about this movie, kind of the better. Even to the point where if this movie sort of sparks any interest about two friends climbing this radio tower and getting stuck up there, I would I would jump forward maybe two minutes in the podcast because I'll, I'll keep it spoiler-free, but it's basically so that you've got these girls that climb this tower. As they're climbing the tower... The, the tower's kind of slowly breaking apart. And as they get to the very top, part of the ladder breaks off and they have no way to get down. And so, unbelievably, they can make a one-hour 47 movie about these, this, these girls' struggle as they try to, A, get help, um, try to find different ways to climb down, avoid getting kind of like injured and hurt in the process. And this movie is so well done it's a lot of fun, like, it's not the highest rated movie, like, and it's probably not going to be the, you know, it's probably only really a one-time a one a one-time watch, but I just had a lot of fun watching this movie, I enjoyed that the whole thing's kind of largely captured on top of this radio tower, and I generally felt at several points throughout this movie, you know, you kind of feel this real sense of anxiety or dread and, and fear, and just what would you do in this situation, I can't even if I see myself climbing a 2,000-foot uh, radio tower, just the kind of experience going to the top. But if I did, absolutely terrifying.
1: I It's, a, it's called Fall, not The Fall. Sorry, I jumped in there because I we were talking about this with my council um, <laughs> and they were recommending it to me and I thought they called it The Fall, but yeah, it's just Fall. Um, this definitely appealed to me straight away. Just, again, one of those just really crazy just unique premises, um, mm, and mm. the poster alone—the poster alone—is enough to convince. I think, well, for me, that's that's me sold. The the poster says it all, and yeah, like you say, probably the the, the less you know, perhaps the better.
0: Yeah, it's also got a, a little cameo by uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who we obviously know as Morgan. Uh, Morgan. D- God, come come on, get it together. <laughs> as I, I, I'm reading his name, Jeffrey Dan Morgan, and calling him Morgan, Negan. As as Negan from The Walking Dead, um, and and it's it's great to kind of see some of these, you know other walking dead characters kind of in, in some great stuff for a change and this is look, it's just as i say this is if you like those kind of claustrophobic movies you like a movie that's kind of like you can you can just like a small tight cast with a an interesting story with some great kind of um storytelling elements then highly recommend checking this out i watched it on uh, apple itunes i imagine it will come to a streaming streaming service soon but this is a this would be a at 3.5 to four guns for me this is a this is a good a good watch
1: well that's right out there that's not bad at all okay now it's definitely on my radar because like i say everyone was talking about it quite sort of promisingly then i saw the middle of the road ratings and i thought oh, i wonder if it's good or not so it's great that you've come in with it and bringing it nearly at the full guns measure that's that's mm. awesome
0: Mm-hmm it's saved for the very rare exception i do wonder if i might have got into this differently had i watched the trailer or had i sort of known about it but as someone going in blind definitely had a lot of fun but that is me paul what about yourself
1: i was just going to quickly ask on that is this because i'm looking for content now because i've got parents coming for a month so please write into the podcast anyone who's got recommendations is this uh sit down with the parents type watch or is it too um, weird for
0: them
1: do you think? too bad? Yeah. That
0: is a good a good question. I think this is probably a bit of a a roll of the dice for the parental watch. Because I think they're either gonna find it really sort of fun and, and kind of really sort of invest in the concept, or they're gonna think it's so ridiculously over the top that why are these girls being so stupid and how could they not tell anyone that they're going up a tower or blah blah blah? And so I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I, I would probably give it a go with them. I, I don't think there's anything in there that will ultimately, um, so like, I think this is going to depend on personalities, whether they're like this sort of genre and style of, of movie.
1: As a risk averse person, when I heard the words roll of the dice, I immediately was
0: like, no, I don't, move think, on. I don't think
1: this is going to be for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I look, Knowing what I know about you, Paul, I think you've made the right call.
1: Very good. Um, What have I been watching? Two things for me as well Uh, one movie, one TV show, movie first down, Danton Abbey, a new era. I couldn't help myself. Massive fan of the series. Uh, The Crawley family go on a grand journey to the south of France. And when I saw this, the The first thing I thought was, do we need this? Is there going to be a story here? This is exactly what you would expect from the Downton Abbey crew. And sometimes I think I have to remind myself that this series ended seven years ago, back in 2015, because everyone, without exception, all of the characters of this period drama just slipped, sorry, all of the the actors and extras slipped back into their characters, just like they'd never left. And, everything that comes with it is just immediately like it was before the 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 setting the the costumes the hair the makeup production so all this needed really was a story to go with it and that was what i was wondering is there going to be a story there and i cannot believe how great a story they found to tell here and i think that that is the main thing I like about this is that even though there was for me no real need for it I don't know that anyone was ever expecting it or asking for it it was so enjoyable they created something that was just really fun to watch and without giving any spoilers for anyone who does want to maybe watch it later it's for me it's a far more emotional ending than the series itself actually gave us so I think this is the perfect place to stop like let's not risk Ruining this 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 perfect ending would be my opinion on this one.
0: Paul, is this a a movie that uh, someone who hasn't been following the the history and the lore of Downton Abbey could jump into, or is this really made for fans to kind of round out the story?
1: Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's the latter. I, I would say there are certain audiences, <laughs> parental units, maybe one that you could would be you know able to do that with and they would enjoy. But um, I think really it's um there's probably not enough there for a standalone watch if you don't know the characters and the history that comes with them because otherwise there's there's possibly not enough there but yeah and so i would have normally ordinarily definitely had saved this one as a but i they've already seen it over in the uk so you know that was that was off the table um but yeah i I would go as far, having watched this and sort of reconnecting with some of these characters again, I would say that this is perhaps the show with the best uh, character casting ever. It's not to say they're my favourite characters because, by no means, are they. Give or take the Dowager Countess, no, none of them would ever come close to that. But for each cast member to each character, there is a perfect union um, of those two things, where it's just like a it just. Everything lines up a hundred percent across the board and and so it really works and they had of course you know being a movie they had some some guest characters uh, as well so um, we had uh, our old mate from from Hannibal uh, now I can't think of his name isn't that terrible Hugh is it Hugh Dancy Hugh Darcy the guy who plays well, yep, Bill Graham yeah yep. he comes in uh, Laura haddock uh, from the Caddock was great and Dominic West um, Who comes in as well and he was really good it's really good to see him before i see him as charles because he plays charles in the new crown series um because other than a small couple of cameos i've never really seen dominic west of course most people have seen him from the wire um but he was great too so yeah this is a really good fun but yeah i think you're right to call out the caveat of being a downton fan i think it's i think it is for the fans
0: (laughs) I feel like you've given me a great idea during this um, little synopsis, Paul, that wouldn't it be great if we had like these like wacky mashups of different TV shows? Like what if we had Hannibal Lecter in the downtown Abbey universe <laughs> and it was like, you know, they're in the south of France, but they're having to solve this like these <laughs> heinous crimes going on. And
1: There would be no? some great stories there. There will be some great stories. Will Graham comes to Danton to try and solve the mystery of Mads Mikkelsen who is in fact Galen Ursa, who's committed this crime. I mean, it would be great.
0: <laughs> it's good. And it look, it looks interesting. I think from the label on the tin, sort of Downton Abbey, a new era, I kind of, without sort of doing any sort of reading of the synopsis or you, you telling me about it, I kind of thought it was doing a bit of a, a time jump and doing something a little bit different. But yes. It's more of a, a continuation, isn't it?
1: It certainly is. I mean, they're into like, it's coming into 1930 and of course the series starts way well before the first world war so they, they have covered off a fair bit of time and people are now you know have kids and whatever but you're right it's it's the same gang it's the same gang and um having said that actually just thinking about those new characters i think there was maybe a little bit too much focus on the new characters they brought in all three as i said were really good but we didn't come to see them so there's maybe too much of them but apart from that this is like your perfect Sunday afternoon movie. And, you know, so much of this movie is in the South of France. So, you know, maybe you've got a glass of wine as a warm cinema evening. Um, but just the writing, I was just surprised. I just wondered if it was going to work, not work, but if, if it was needed. And, but Julian fellows, I mean, he is one of my favorite TV writers. I mean, Gilded Age, uh, Belgravia, young Victoria, Dan, and Danton Abbey. I mean, he was born out of time. He gets this era and just delivers quality every time. I can't wait to see what he does next.
0: Sounds good. And where can one watch Downton Abbey, A New Era?
1: Downton Abbey, A New Era is available in New Zealand on Neon. Lovely. And then my TV show I'm bringing to the podcast this week is the third season of Star Trek Lower Decks. And so this is an animated show and this is this is the third season of a show that just to give the context last year was in my top 10 tv shows of the year and become that was my first time i've ever had an animated show in in, in a top 10 this is how much i rate this series so it had a lot to live up to but i feel like it really did once again it just you know as a star trek fan it takes all of the conversations that fans might have that ever started with the words wouldn't it be awesome if they did this episode where and then you just fill in the blanks if i could be in the writer's room for any tv series that's currently airing it would either be for all mankind or it would be star trek lower decks that's how much how much i rate the writing on this and yes it's a comedy but it's just absolutely brilliant to watch and i think similar to your danton abbey question it probably is for the fans. It's, But it's such a rich series that anyone can enjoy it, no matter what they know about Trek. It's just there's so many layers of Star Trek Easter eggs that as a Trek fan, you just get all that extra little bit of flavour.
0: Yeah, I remember enjoying season one with my kind of like baseline Star Trek knowledge, um, but I haven't unfortunately gone back to watch season two or three. But And I think we might have talked about this when the first season came out, that... I think there's enough laughs in there, I think, for uh, a casual viewer like myself, but obviously the, the true value comes from when you're you're in Deep Space Nine like yourself.
1: Correct. Well said. Well played, Dan. You did well there. Talking of Deep Space Nine, they do have cameos from Deep Space Nine, from Voyager, from The Next Generation. They even get uh, George Takei to return as Mr. Sulu from the original series, which is just incredible. Um, I feel like... Um, there's, and I've said this before. There's a little bit of a Rick and Morty feel about it, given that he's one of the you know the the creators uh, creators from that show. But they don't dip too far into it. It's not too close to it, but there is a definite sort of look and feel there that that resonates. But yeah, this season just goes further. Season one is like characters. Season two, they get some story arcs going, but season three, honestly, this is as strong as any third season of. Of any Star Trek show season three I've ever seen.
0: It sounds to me like your top ten TV shows of 2022 is getting harder and harder to make some decisions on.
1: Honestly, Dan, I've got so much to talk about this year. We're going to have to split it across two pods or something. Honestly, there's there's so much in my list. I feel like with this um with this season, there is a because I'm wondering will it edge into that top ten? It's a really good question. The thing is, there are occasional filler episodes. And I'd probably say there's two within this season, and it's always a shame because I don't get it with with animated shows. You know, we've we've got ten episodes in a season, and if I'm calling out two of them as being filler, like isn't the budget largely the same for each? It's not like there's a. Mm. I don't get it. Um, so that's I, th- I always find the fillers are more disappointing with a a weekly drop show as opposed to something that drops the whole season in one go because you can kind of get past it quite quickly. Um, but yeah. Overall, this is for you if you're a track fan. And
0: did we have any delays getting this one in New Zealand?
1: No. The, this was sorted out uh, after Season 1. Uh, since then, it's been fine. So Season 2 and 3 have dropped here, just like with Strange New Worlds um, we've, and Picard as well. We've had um, all three track shows um, dropping live and Discovery uh, will be dropping live on uh, TVNZ. So we're we're back in the good books for those four shows but star trek prodigy don't start me up dan that season two has just started in the states we still haven't had season one here
0: all gum paul i gum indeed dan
1: don't don't start me up on this that is available on prime video lower decks, season three um shall we shall we head over to gilead dan i think it's time we went back
0: yeah yeah back or forward or what what is the what is the timeline here so yeah we have done a a joint watch of the handmaid's tale season five uh has been dropping weekly here on neon in new zealand uh so 10 episodes we decided to largely save it all up so we could do one giant review for you here on the pod so this season season four kind of ends uh with uh, spoilers, if you're if you're not up to date with your Handmaid's Tale*, season four ends with the the death of Mr. Waterford, and season five kind of, I guess, comes in hot from that storyline, and I think tells quite a, a different story of, of June this season. Paul, what are you thinking about this one?
1: We've been sent good weather, Dan. We've been sent good weather this, uh, this season. I thought was as good a season as i've seen (laughs) since that first season i feel like um we've we've really uh, the last couple of seasons have been good but the tension in in the show is back and it is as high as it ever has been in the series and i feel like they've done i feel like they've done really well to do that to keep it as tense as it is after this long within this confined sort of universe that we have within the north american continent i guess and the only i was trying to think the only show where i could actually say that they've been able to keep that high level of tension going you know over five it would be something like homeland they really they really keep me on the edge of my seat quite genuinely like i need to watch the next episode i found so much about this series the dynamics between characters really really fascinating but yeah, as a as a starting conclusion, as it were, starting conclusions as a starting point, uh, I thought this was a fantastic season. You?
0: Now, I've wa- I've walked you into a real trap here, Paul. This is the I first time you've done that. Of, yeah, I feel like I had a little bit of a different experience. <laughs> so I enjoyed some components of this season, uh, but I also found myself getting quite frustrated with with the show. And to the point that I kind of had to really challenge myself. And I think, okay, let me, let me start with the things that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the episodes where Elizabeth Moss actually directed as well. I, th- I think she's yes, got a, yes. a real kind of presence and a real deep kind of understanding of how to sort of portray the, the gloom and the grime that is Gilead. I think where I also enjoyed the kind of the the twists with Serena and kind of the the real kind of like change it forces on you as a as a viewer as you sort of feel differently about her where I kind of found this season a little bit frustrating is I felt like we spent a lot of time doing not a lot and I felt like there was moments where every now and again, the story would kind of, and I, I know that you love a slow burn. I, I know that sometimes I love a slow burn <laughs> as well. Um, I kind of just felt like we had this real, like we've kind of been on this real journey with June, right? Where she finally escapes Gilead in the last season. And I felt like in this season, the more they showed us of outside Gilead, almost kind of the more unbelievable the whole universe came became for me in the sense that i felt like they're constantly sort of flicking back and forth between um gilead and canada people are just walking across borders people are signing paperwork to um be double agents in plain sight it's real easy getting out of these countries whereas i think in the, in the other seasons it felt like it really felt like this such dystopian future mm-hmm. and I feel like this this season kind of took me out of it a little bit and made me kind of just question like ah oh, that's ridiculous ah oh, that's ridiculous and I I didn't want to feel like that and I also I, I I I had this real kind of and I still feel torn about it I've got this sort of mixed feelings about about June and because I think on one hand you know we're really getting to see her experience has not only a refugee, but someone who's who's kind of experienced all this trauma. On the flip side, it's always kind of like, kind of like pushed towards at the end of each episode that she's going to do something really kind of like story dramatically different. And it kind of feels like by the end of the season, none of those things have really kind of happened apart from she's kind of living this real life and and horrible struggle and is not kind of welcome anywhere anymore. But I just and I felt like a softening of all these other characters, um, particularly our uh, our main commander. Now he it, it, for some at some point I kind of got the impression um, that Nick and uh, what's the commander's name Lawrence um, Lawrence were kind of almost a little bit ousted. But like the if, I feel like they flipped a switch in this season and now they're kind of like they're the top dogs and they're kind of making all these sort of power plays. And I I feel like they sometimes just don't stick still stay the course for some of these storylines they're following. And I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for greatness here that doesn't fully kind of eventuate for me. And I realize I'm really rambling now. So, um, I'll pass the mic back. No,
1: I think you made a, a couple of interesting points and, um, there was one I was going to pick up on that. I was really wanting to come back to that. You said that really made, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, I'll, I'll start with the Commander Lawrence comment, though, because one of the one of the things that I struggled with, if I did struggle with something in this season, was that change in Commander Lawrence didn't sit right with me. I felt like, I think you said you thought he sort of went a bit. So I actually felt like he went the other way. I actually, by the time the season runs out, he's he's so much harsher, and his the empathy that we saw through season three and four, and his. His uh, his his rationale as to why he set the chain of events in motion. He he does a speech where he sort of says why he was a an architect of Gilead and what his intent was. And for a second, and this is a terrifying thing to say out loud, but I'll say it. I I kind of got his logic, and I was like, oh yeah, I see, what see. Yeah, he's sort of saying, oh, the commercialism, the capitalism of the world is just destroying our country. We had these two. These two polarizing views, and yeah, you know, so much of it's true with what we're seeing today in in terms of the United States, I'd say, and um, and so that resonated with me. I, but then he went the other way, and he was, you know, the the behavior that he was towards the end of the the season, I thought was was actually really really hard. But um, I the journey with June, I uh, I get what you're saying, but I I, I found myself so often. Uh, not empathizing. What's the? I I don't know what the word is. Them and I, again, this is a little worrying as I even as I say this. But I a hundred percent get June's rage. Um, so the rage that she feels, as opposed to if you think about the the Martha and um, uh, the oh, what's her name the the friend that's in the house with Luke. The those characters. I just want to mm. put it behind them. And forget about it and get on with life. I'm I'm with June. I'm Moira, with, Moira, thank you. I too often I find myself feeling exactly what June feels, and June has been through trauma like none of us could ever imagine. And and so uh, her her journey I found the most fascinating. And I think what sh- the final thing I'd say uh, is what really saw me on this season was the Serena June dynamic. I found that they challenged my. Um, opinions on serena and my assumptions that i'd made about their relationship and where that level of emotion and hatred would sit but then seeing someone bring a baby into the world and just being able to drop all that for the baby i found that whole dynamic absolutely brilliant
0: yeah I, like I I think there was some great in the, in that final episode the or the the final like yeah. three minutes of the of the episode with I think June and Serena absolutely incredible like the look on June's face was just it said so much without saying anything and I, I thought it was amazing I think before when I was having my rant I might have said uh Luke rather than Nick I I, I don't recall but um oh. I was I was meant I was Nick I yeah. I I, I think I found things also like Luke kind of like weirdly frustrating as well, mm-hmm. but in a, not because of who Luke is. Cause I, I actually think Luke is a real genuine good guy in this TV show and he would do absolutely anything for June. And he demonstrates that time and time and time again. And I just hate how surface level who, June's relationship is with Luke. But at the same time, I understand it because June has been through so much that how can she, have a good relationship with him but it's i just kind of i i always felt so kind of like annoyed by their relationship and the fact that she's always willing to kind of leave her 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 daughter that she has um Mm. to go and find her other daughter and we know that her other daughter is so deeply indoctrinated into the world of gilead that it would it's not just a matter of getting her out and bringing her home like there is a lifetime of horror to unpick there, and I I know that they want to get it back, and that and that's like I I imagine as a parent like you would do all that you can, but it's like it's just interesting that you'd sacrifice everything else that she already has going on.
1: Yes, and I remembered the point I wanted to pick up on one of these days. We'll start taking notes down. Um, but firstly, to this point, I I feel like I don't see it as a sacrifice so much because. Because Nicole is safe in Toronto with Luke, and yet her her daughter in Gilead is all. And so I again, I hundred percent get that. And I'm, and there's a moment. There's a there's a really telling moment because Luke is definitely not about that. And then when he when they're in the the middle of the town square and they see they look upon all the big TV screens at Fred's funeral. Um, and that brought his rage up to june's level and i really loved that because i was like okay now he gets it now he feels it and then of course we see the their daughter on the screen as well all deliberately i thought um that luke was going to come with us on the journey the whole way and it didn't quite pan out like that but i i it was a really nice moment to, well, not a nice moment but it was a really powerful moment to see luke see that and feel that and get that rage going just like june it was it was good. The thing that I remember that you said that I think you're, you're right as a criticism is how they've made it way too easy to cross the border because it was previously like trying to break into the death star and escape the death star. Now it's like, it's, like if you travel domestically here in New Zealand, it's as easy as getting on a flight in Wellington to go to Napier. You know, no one looks at you. You, you get there's no security checks. Just get on, mate, and you'll be fine. You know, it's as it's, it's easy as that. And so they've taken away that that um, those hard borders and that really, as you said, that that dystopian future has been. They've watered that part down a little bit. And I get that these are diplomats and high level commanders, but it's, they were going across once too often.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was almost a little bit too easy, especially when I think back to the last season when we literally had like um, fighter jets flying across Chicago and yeah. the resistance sort of falling at war. I like it, it kind of just feels like. I think some of the the world building that they've done is kind of a little bit undone when they've kind of tried to make the the access a little bit easier. Yeah, um, I I think they're, I'm being quite hard on it because I think this this is a this is a great show and I think and I know they're only gonna do one more season after this. And it, it just kinda of felt like in, in sort of the, the timeline. It made me kind of miss the Gilead side of the story more. Like and I know yes. that that's actually the horrible yes. story and but I I think that was almost kind of the more interesting bit. And even again you know, like Aunt Lily has kind of turned into lovely old Aunt Lily, and yeah. she's kind of got a, yeah, bit, of a, that's a right. bit of a heart now. Um, like, it was great to see kind of Janine actually, like, flip the script a little bit and kind of, you know, not be so submissive. But it's like, we've got all these characters, like, we've got Nick. I I still think um, Commander Lawrence has probably got a, a bit of goodness in him. Um, we've got Aunt Lydia. we've got Serena. Like, almost kind of all of our villains are kind of turning into heroes in a weird way. And you could kind of, like I just kind of feel like with one more season, there's a lot of kind of, like, loose ends to kind of wrap up. And so either we're going to kind of like slowly kind of trudge our way towards that or it's going to be a real kind of wham, bam, final season.
1: Yeah. No, I, what I find interesting is, as you say, oh, this is a really good show. I, I still remember the look you gave me when we did our top 10 TV shows of 2021 when you brought The Handmaid's Tale into your top 10 and I didn't have it in mind. You were kind of like, oh, wow. I was, yeah. And here we are with the roles reversed now with me thinking it could be on my list. And and it's interesting because what you touched on with the Gilead, Pat, is very, very true. It's not a nice story to have to witness, but it is powerful TV. It's what draws people in. It's also what pushes people away, I think, people I've spoken to that can't handle it. With the first season, the first couple of episodes in particular, it is very, it's it's, it, it's, it's quite confronting. Um, Aunt Lydia, uh, I love the way you called her, like this <laughs> a really nice Auntie Lydia. It's, I find that fascinating because Anne Dowd, who plays her, it gave an absolutely immaculate performance as always. I've, I just, I've, I think I've said it before that Aunt, Aunt Lydia would be in my top ten characters of all time. She's just exceptional. I did feel like her character in this season could have had a stronger story arc, and I think how you, ta- how you sort of defined her as that nice girl. I feel like we only saw Lydia in first or second gear maybe third once or twice, but we have seen her hit top gear before. And there are a few people in the world who on screen beers is terrifying and a shocking and just so enjoyable as to watch as aunt Lydia in full Yeah. And it's not to say that it needs to be evil or horrible, but if she's going to become the nice person, I think she can use those qualities and those strengths for good. And um, mm-hmm. I really want to see her crank into overdrive next season. That's all I know. Cause uh, her and um, oh, McKen- McKenna Grace, as Esther, I thought she was superb as well. Um, she's been great in everything we've seen, you know, the Ghostbusters and everything this year. But Aunt Dowd as Aunt Lydia, what a
0: character! Definitely, and I think this is where it kind of like it was strange, right? Because Aunt Lydia has always carried a real weight with her in the show, and I love when they referred to her as Code Brown when she was like, you know, coming back yes, to see the right. see the Handmaids. It was, that was that was so good. <laughs> But I think it's um, interesting that, like, oh, you know, she obviously brokered some of the deal for um, Commander Lawrence's new wife. Um, she tried to broker the deal to get Janine in, in the house. And at the same time, she's getting kind of pushed around by the eyes. And I just, I I, I think I'm with you. I wanted to see, like, the Aunt Lydia of old days would have those eyes, mm. like, strung up on the wall. Yeah, like, straight up, be
1: straight on the wall, done. No more conversation. Yeah, I I know what you mean. I, I I really I really miss that. I think I still think though there was so much there. I found the with 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 due respect, um, Evon Strakovsky as Serena throughout the series, throughout all five seasons, has been uh, something of a support character for me. And this season, mm-hmm. she was right at the front, and I thought she was exceptional. And her journey to the and the change of fortune and to the point where she's essentially become June was just fascinating turn of events. And, and what, what was again, so good for me was that it just, the way they did that felt so natural. Like it was all, it was all logical and it was explainable. They didn't feel shoehorned in, in any way. It was just like, this is what's happening. And this, these are the reasons why. And I think because Fred Waterford um, played, previously in this in the seasons by joseph fine so well i thought he was such a good big bad as it were that i wondered if this the season would really miss him even though it was so satisfying seeing him get got at the end of season four i think i remember saying to you i was surprised that didn't happen at the end of the whole series i thought that this mm-hmm. was the big you know the the emperor's getting chucked down the chute too early but um yeah the serena journey I, I, full kudos to her. i thought she was great
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. Serena was fascinating. I think for me, I just kind of probably wish that the final that we got in this season, I kind of wish that was maybe episode six or seven. Yeah. Just because I think there's still so much to kind of like happen. And... You know, and I think this is kind of feeds into a conversation we had last week um, around how long TV shows could go for. And it's really just got me thinking around as people start to kind of get familiar, they start to have their favourite characters, Mm -hmm. they start to sort of have their predictions around the plotline. I think it's always kind of in the danger zone when you're up around season 4, 5, 6, etc. Because people kind of I think start to sort of drift off, and they start to have higher expectations. And you know, I kind of even myself like I'm sitting here thinking back fondly to the first season. And Mm. if I went back to watch it now, it you know it probably isn't anywhere near as good as as I imagine the quality. The budget's so much greater than it's ever been, but it's it just it brings about a different conversation. I think.
1: No, I think I I think you're right, and it's probably still season one. Nothing will. Probably ever can com- compare to that. That's what really got the whole world talking about it. But uh, I do love that uh, the, the American dynamic, how small the American, you know, the country has become, mm-hmm. and how the Canadians, uh, you know, hate the Americans and just want them out of their country. I found that fascinating. I found the production value, the scene of the funeral, the the visuals of the of the of the funeral was like like I was watching the first order or something in Star Wars. It was just a really and having you know recently seen the queen's funeral there were some scenes in that funeral that were very akin to the royalty side of things as well it was it was a, it was really really quite interesting
0: I think they did some interesting things that I think tried to psych us out. Like if you were watching this weekly, like I think in the episode where they send in the army to raid the school to save Hannah. And that that final kind of like sound is basically of jets. It sounds like flying over the school. And we both in our house were like, oh my God, are they going to end up accidentally killing those kids? And it's going to sort of start a whole nother thing. But that was kind of a bit of a, a misdirect, I think, on their part. And then on the flip side, it was kind of almost so obvious that this military mission was going to fail, and why you would have a civilian in the room mm. during your kind of like black ops mission, it's just kind of kind of mind blowing.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. There, the couple of the red herrings there. I can't remember what there was another one as well, but um, almost like classic TV uh, sort of, almost to the point of like. 1960s batman where they end an episode where oh he's surely dead now and then clearly he's not they 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 maybe sold it tried to sell us down the river too too much on occasion but uh the direction was on point for this series and you're right elizabeth moth Moss, uh, Moss as director was absolutely she's got a real eye for it it was her. her you sort of notice it straight away after a really good episode because you see that mm-hmm. and you're like oh wow that was her that was great and yeah. that sort of you have the memory of that several times throughout the season so uh so yeah,
0: I'll I'll tell you one character who gives me instant confidence every time every time he's on screen. Paul is um, Sam Ye- uh, Jager, um, who plays Mark, the um, CIA agent. Oh yeah, who's kind of like like every time I see him, I've got just like I have utmost confidence in in what he's doing for some reason. Like I think they've really nailed just having this this character who kind of embodies kind of. Yep, I've got the authority. Yep, I've got the military access. Yep, I'm out doing meeting greets. Yep, I'm running black ops. Yeah. Yep, I'm, yeah, I'm doing,
1: I'm doing everything, good, but all the jobs. Good call. He's absolutely made for this role. If you're buying a house, he's the guy you want on the other side of the table at the bank. He's the, he's going to give you absolute confidence. He's the lawyer who's making sure you've dotted all your eyes and crossed your t's. Mm. Bradley Whitford is Lawrence as well. I, I think. I mean, I feel like I'm shouting at everyone, but Elizabeth Moss, Yvonne Strafotsky, and Dowd, bradley whitford were all exceptional this season
0: yeah look i think so even though i've come in with a bit of a, a grumble i i still overall enjoyed the season i just feel like expectations probably a little bit higher mm. um and look I'm, I'm still gonna be here for season six i'm still probably gonna sit down one day and watch all six seasons yeah and see how it feels as a as a show um so it's still good. I just feel like you know it's my job here, Paul, just to put coals and things.
1: And I love it how you sell me down the river by asking me first. I should see this coming every time. Let's see if I spot it with our next review, which of course is our movie of the week.
0: Yeah, so each week, uh, Paul and I take turns choosing different movies of the week um, where we review them. If you would like to find out what those movies are before the podcast comes out, then you should maybe come along and join our Discord channel, and you can find the details for that in the show notes below. But this week, uh, we have got the movie Memory.
1: Yeah, so you sent through two choices this week. It was my turn to to choose, and... I chose this based on all of the prerequisites requirements of a movie poster that has Liam Neeson on it. Liam Neeson with a serious face, either a black jacket or black gloves, a gun. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Dan, and I mean this, I didn't even read the synopsis because I know enough from that poster and also it says on there from the director of Casino Royale so the fact that it's directed by our favourite movie director from the Hawke's Bay I knew what I was getting myself in for and so yeah an assassin for hire finds that he becomes a target after he refuses to complete a job for a dangerous criminal organisation what are we thinking about this one Dan?
0: So oh. Look, some, sometimes, boy, I like to create a rod for my own back. And what's interesting is I think Liam Neeson pumps out about five hundred of these movies per year. Where they're virtually the same um, plot, where he's basically either retired, uh, on his last job, uh, just the the sort of good guy, tough guy, and it's like it's his thing. And I feel like I've come to appreciate that. Like this is something he, you know, he's probably getting a great paycheck. I would imagine most of the budget goes towards him on this particular movie. It's been quite heavily kind of advertised, so I, it's, it's normally I would have stayed away from it, just knowing that I'm, you know, I don't like to talk badly about Qui Gon and I <laughs> and Raza-Kul, Razakul. yeah. So I, so I don't like to sort of sort of bring down the mood, but this has been so heavily advertised, and and like you've just said, not only is it is it just Liam Neeson, Martin Campbell. Casino Royale, who also did the Green Lantern. So there's, you know, there's some discrepancies in his in his back catalogue. <laughs> but that alone should be good. Then you put the cherry on top with Guy Pierce. you're killing me here. This this is this this should be all the guns. Now I think this is a movie that kind of could have been something really good, and I think it had a kind of interesting story. I I really like the kind of the the Alzheimer's sort of. Um, twist on the story and that Liam Neeson sort of had to write down sort of messages on his arm to remind himself of what, what he was up to. And it kind of had a sort of a, a funny link to Guy Pierce. Obviously that's a, something similar he does in um, the movie Memento. Mm. Um, but I think what kind of lets this movie down is the plethora of B-grade actors that kind of like flesh out the wider story. Like you've kind of got these superstars and there's this kind of like just cringy kind of, and look, it's probably not their fault, like the way some of these movies are sort of written. But it just, I think it could have been something better than a 5.7 on IMDb.
1: Yeah. Oh, look, I would be equally harsh at And I don't think we need to call out any names, but some of the support cast outside of perhaps the, the main three or four were, to be honest, just simply not in the same league. And I get that, and I expect that sometimes with uh, what you can tell is not going to be a full-budget movie. And you know, as you say, that most of the budget is going go to go to Liam Neeson or to maybe to Guy Pierce, I don't know. But some of the performances were really jolting to the point that Diana and I were just looking at each other. And when you combine that with what I thought was a bit of a dodgy script at times, I think this is where this movie is let down because I actually really like the overall plot of this one i think the premise is great i thought it it really i thought it really went there with you know with some of the hard-hitting you know spoilers but emotional moments you know particularly with the young girl and the family i, I thought they didn't sort of they didn't um pull any punches but there was a lot of a lot of the dialogue i thought was it really exposed some of those poor performances so that really good plot and liam neeson Guy Pierce was let down by the dialogue that was going to get us along the way and some of the performances. Oh, it's just I mean, presumably Liam Neeson and they sit down and they go to the premiere and they just must be just, just having to keep a poker face on the whole time sometimes.
0: I don't even think Liam Neeson goes to the premiere anymore. Like he's doing so many of these movies. Like he's literally like if you if you go into his profile, he's got so many of these movies. Like there's actually another movie very similar. Brilliant. Uh, for two thousand and twenty-two, that um he has just put out. It was uh, I think it's called Blacklight. Um, and so this one here, Travis Block is a government operative coming to terms with his shadowy past, where he discovers a plot targeting U.S. citizens. Block finds himself in the crosshairs of the FBI director he once helped protect. Like
1: lock it in, classic. Lock it in. Let's watch it.
0: Like and this has got an even lower rating than than memory. and so I, I don't even, I think he's having a laugh. Like I think that he's he's sat there. He's like he's having a, he's having a beer with guy guy whatever. He's having a beer with mine and He's like look guys, I, I, I'm on the racket here. Like but like <laughs> if the three of us put our names on this movie, like look no premieres you need to go to. Look, ninety percent of the money is going to us. We'll take a percentage cut. The rest can go to whoever else they get in. We won't even vet them. Let's just go with it. <laughs> we
1: won't even vet them. <laughs> That's great. I think. I think because we've come in on the criticism train quite hard, and I we haven't even sort of talked about what we enjoyed beyond
0: the.
1: You know, I I don't think because I know as you sort of said some some recent Liam Neeson entries that um, you know I know I am not going to get the highest quality movie, but this one I actually felt. Was a cut above in terms of the premise, even if the script wasn't quite there. I certainly got everything I expected from it. I thought Liam Neeson himself; I thought his performance was a cut above some of his other movies of this genre. And the direction, of course, you know, um, when you know someone who's done Golden Eye, Casino Royale, and The Green Lantern, it's not a real surprise that I would find the directing was was well done. This is actually our first martin campbell movie that we've watched since we watched the foreigner with uh piss brosnan and and jackie chan so we haven't actually seen a, a martin campbell movie in a while and i just feel like the level at which he directs in general is better than the quality of script that he's getting lined up with and i just feel like take liam take guy take martin push them all into a decent script and as you say we could have a a really all the guns type movie affair going on here
0: yeah, and I think this is where, like, you're right. Like, I think, I actually think, like, Liam, Liam Neeson played his, his classic but comfortable role that he always does, and that's fine because that's what, you know, that's what he, he's kind of niche and mm. it's cool. I just think maybe we could have had a smaller cast to kind of like tighten up that budget, and maybe we could have spent a bit more time on the script because I do kind of, I agree with you. I think there is something here that could have been okay. Um, yeah. I unfortunately think it's kind of just tarnished with a few too many things to, you know, like if you're into these types of movies, you'll have a great time. But like this is a movie you could check on with the parents, right? Like it's a good sort of yeah, like Sunday it. afternoon action movie. And everyone's going to get their, their oohs and ahs out of it. And it's going to, they'll probably have a relatively good time. But when you've got to sort of come on a, a podcast and talk about it, it's it's a little rough.
1: This is our, th- I was just quickly going through his movie. This is our third Liam Neeson movie of the show. Where we did The Marksman. And we did Honest Thief. Uh, you know, that movie's scoring a six. Um, so yeah, he needs uh it's just as well he had his great Qui-Gon moment in Obi Wan this year because he needs he needs some things to keep him to keep him top tier, because he really is top tier. He
0: he also had that great moment in Derugu oh, as yes, well this Of course, this year. how could I forget that?
1: That was actually probably the best of all watching him so <laughs> I,
0: I think this is the thing. Like he is like I genuinely really like Liam Neeson. I think he's he is like I think you should just almost kind of like just – stop. like one a year, Liam. Like you can't have two. Like you can do one and let's take the budget for the other one and put it into the one that you're thinking about doing.
1: Correct. There's actually four. I just went back through again. Ice Road. Remember the Ice Road one, the truck?
0: That one was okay. That was okay.
1: Amazing. That was amazing, Dan. That's a a top ten movie. Um, This – look, I think you've summed it up. You know what you're getting – that's exactly what it says on the tin type thing. And if you subscribe to Prime Video, then you may wish to watch memory.
0: Indeed. But you won't get that time back and it will be in <laughs> your memory forever. <clears throat> what are you giving this one on the old Guns of Kimbo scale, Paul?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think the 5.7 is probably about right. I think I probably would come in with two guns overall. Um, but it comes with somehow this weird... I still had I still had fun because sometimes it was so bad it was good, and that's not a nice thing to say about a Liam Neeson movie. But, yeah, two guns. What about you?
0: i I probably give it a 1.5, but I also had a frustrating experience, and I actually fell asleep watching this movie, <laughs> and then I woke up, like, angry the next day that I had to go back and, like, pick up where I – like, cause I'd kind of like, it is autoplayed to the end. Yeah. So I had to actually like, oh God, I'm going to watch this movie again. I love that. So I'm taking half a point off for the pure pain it caused me for him to kind of watch it twice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I think that would be very confusing with a movie like Memory. Cause uh, yeah, that kind of, that adds to the, adds to the whole experience of frustration here.
0: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So Paul, what is your, what's your pick of the week?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's a really tough week because, um, you know, Star Low Lower Decks and The Handmaid's Tale, for me, are two shows that have been in my top tens over the last two years, either one or the other, and I thought both were strong. But I feel like, for me, Handmaid's Tale was just a really good, it was a really good experience and I think it's because I came in with low expectations because last season didn't quite get there for me and it's got me really hyped for the, for the final season. So I'm going to go with Handmaid's Tale season five uh, this week for me. What about you, Dan?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with the the surprise movie, um, the movie called Fall, Hmm. Uh, just because it was a complete kind of surprise hit. I had a fantastic time. Nice. Caught me off guard and would, would highly recommend for anyone looking for something to watch. I love that. What about the news, Dan? All right. What is on the news? All right. So uh, this week, I guess, as per tradition, uh, tradition, start with the unfortunate and sad passing of Mr. Kevin Conroy, who is the the much, much loved voice um, of Batman and numerous other um Voice acting sort of credits to his past, but he is a he's a great loss to DC to Batman fans. Um, he sounded like a a great human being all round. So our condolences to the Conroy family.
1: Yeah, really loved actor, and I think so many people perhaps won't know who he is, but so many people in the Batman community, in particular, he for so many he is their batman he is their voice mm-hmm. and even when i sort of go downstairs my you know my son's a teenager he's playing all the games i hear the batman voice all the time so i've become so accustomed to this this voice that it's just uh it's just unbelievable it's really such a a young age really as well it's just a, an awful shame it really is
0: mm-hmm. 66 far too young uh, so, speaking of DC, so we've talked about James Gunn and Peter Safran who are taking over in sort of the, the co-leadership of DC Films and they have been working on a 8 to 10 year plan um looking across basically all of dc films tv shows animation and more and by the sounds of it actually it sounds like they've had a pretty awesome workshop this week looking at what that timeline looks like um paul you and i both have a bit of workshop experience so what a workshop to host i imagine
1: oh that would be an incredible experience i mean there are several workshops i'd love to run but um the the co-management of this franchise looks to be in good hands.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Speaking of DC News, this bit of news is uh, brought to my attention by Sador in our Discord channel, is we're getting Peacemaker Season 2. So John Cena has posted uh, the hand of Peacemaker, um, showing up a peace symbol, also indicating Season 2 of the show. I was a big fan of Peacemaker. I think this is a show you need to add to your list, For Really great. Really great fun. Um, Glad to be having Season 2 coming soon. Uh, we've got uh, Hunters, which I know is a TV show that you watched on Amazon Prime, I believe. Yep. Uh, so they are going to do a second and final season of that show, which is going to premiere in uh, 2023. So if you're a fan of uh, the the Hunters show, which is around hunting Nazis in 1970s New York, it uh, could be a good time to catch up on season one before season two drops next year.
1: Yeah, really strong show. Again, just like I talked about the capture last week, it's one of those shows where you're just waiting for season two. It's been so long. So, um, can't wait to get back on that. Definitely one for you to get amongst as well yourself, Dan.
0: Indeed. So, and then my final bit of news is there has been a trailer drop for 1923, which is our next Yellowstone prequel. And it's kind of interesting because that. This is going to um, preview on Paramount Plus on December 18th, Mm. which kind of feels right kind of in the middle of the Yellowstone season five. So we are going to be Yellowstone universe rich. I don't know if you've watched the first trailer, Paul, but seen um, Harrison Ford don the the Dutton cowboy hat. What a time to be alive.
1: Yeah, it's um i mean it's just the idea of seeing Harrison Ford on tv is quite a, an exciting prospect but in the in a in a universe in a franchise that we love Yellowstone 1923 and opposite Helen Mirren top quality um this show um yeah we loved 1883 uh this is a franchise which seems to be doing no wrong And i don't know Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren in this show it's it really has got my attention because I just I just feel like this is going to bridge a little bit further than 1883. And I wonder if season five of Yellowstone, if they'll have scenes in the past just like they did previously with the 1883 sort of lead up, if there'll be some things in there that sort of tie back to this.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Oh, I'm just going to put the disclaimer out here now that – 1923 is probably going to miss the cutoff for our um, top TV shows of 2022. So I think we make the executive call now that that show probably goes into next year's um, contenders. Approved. Seconded. Good. good. That is all of the news for me. Anything on your end?
1: Uh, No, the only real thing I had was the Michael Imperoli, is that how you pronounce his name? The guy who plays Christopher Moltisanti from The Sopranos. Uh, writing a movie with the Sopranos creator David Chase has the internet's you know very excited about oh could this be a Christopher Maltesanti movie because this this feels to me like it would be the El Camino equivalent of taking a beloved character uh, of a a franchise and, and giving us something because we've both watched The Many Saints of Newark and talked about how it didn't quite give us that Sopranos thing and I wonder if this is maybe a response to that i'd love to think it is but we'll see
0: i'm here for it sounds great
1: uh quickly through the mailbag then um we had the the producer and the composer from the bbc series the capture both shared our post on social media um composer even put it on his instagram story which was real nice thank you um we did though dan receive our first complaint uh, in over a year since we last had a complaint on the podcast which compared to my day job is actually really good for me um and that was with regards to our empire strikes back special podcast a couple of weeks ago that we didn't give a warning that we would be talking spoilers so yes uh darth vader is luke's father and the person who made the complaint you know who you are our apologies on only waiting 42 years to reveal that without any warning we should have known better then
0: you didn't even give a spoiler warning for the, the mailbag. You, you're out of control. That's another complaint coming your way. There's <laughs> all kinds of
1: complaints. Um, and then, yeah, and so the the peak performance last week, Sir Christopher Lee, um, and, and uh, finally enough, Dan, after your remark about uh, his, uh, Michael Chalmers, our patron producer from North Carolina, using the format of honorable mention and peak performance last week, true enough, he is back. This week with a 3-2-1 for Christopher Lee. Um, 1957's Curse of the Frankenstein, The Last Unicorn, and Lord of the Rings. Um, Another patron producer, uh, Diana, from the Capity Coast, went went actually with Salamanca. And when questioned further, she clarified that she actually meant Scaramanga (laughs) from... The Man with the Golden Gun, as opposed to Salamanca from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Um, we also had, it still works. It still works, yeah. Jason from Potty River also went with The Man from the Golden Gun, Scaramanga. Uh, Ash from The Man Two went with uh, Count Dooku, Had to Go Past, and Patty from Time Travelling Team Podcast. 321, The Man with the Golden Gun, Saramon, and peak performance was 1973's The Wicker Man that's our mailbag then
0: we've got some oldies in there this week which is uh always good to hear i do love like
1: overall like with the man from the golden gun coming up like four times 57s frankenstein and 73 wicker man i reckon that's one of the oldest overall age of movie for a peak performance which i guess is no surprise mm-hmm. with someone like sir christopher lee so that's that's great
0: great stuff shall we jump on into our peak performance for this week
1: Yes, speaking of, so much like the movie of the week, every week Dan and I take it in turns. We choose someone from the film and TV world and look back at their movies and TV shows so far and say what's the best thing they've ever done. This week, Dan, we went with someone who was born in the UK, his father's a Kiwi, but of course everyone knows that he's an Aussie. It's Guy Pearce.
0: This is how the troubles start, Paul. You know, like New Zealand's are very sensitive about these things. So when you start to sort of put together this cocktail of events, it's it's never a good sign. Like
1: the Pavlova. But the I, Pavlova I, I, belongs to Australia as well, right? No.
0: You'll have your visa revoked. Alright, so um what am I going with this week? So for my honourable mention, I'm actually going with a bit of a uh uh, I think this is a, a recency choice because I know there's a lot of great options for Guy Pearce but for honourable mention I'm actually going to give him a shout out for a fairly small role that he had as Richard Ryan in the Mayor of Easttown um, mm. and I just thought he played uh, like I, in my in my view Guy Pearce is a, is a top level actor and I think to come into a show like Mayor of Easttown and kind of play this sort of side character, love interest kind of like bring a level of sort of acting craft to this that you're kind of questioning his sort of intent and his role and what's going on within Easton, Um, then it's... like I just thought he did a a fantastic job, so he's going to get my honourable mention. But for my actual Pink performance, I'm going old school, Paul. I'm going back to 1994's The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. So this is a classic, classic Australian movie that... It was so big when it first came out. I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen it or if you recall it, but Guy Pierce and uh, Hugo Weaving and, and Terrence Stamp basically play drag queens on this sort of adventure through the desert on a bus that they've hired putting on shows. It is one of the greatest movies of all time. Amazing. What
1: a lineup. Hugo Weaving, Guy Pierce and Terrence Stamp all in drag. Amazing. Have this? I don't know how this – maybe this this didn't make it in the Northern Hemisphere. I don't know, but this is great. This is great.
0: I weirdly remember this movie. I remember it was one of my friend's birthdays. Like I would have been probably about 14 or 13, 14 at the time, and we went to go see it for his birthday, a group of us, and it kind of felt at the time kind of real out of character. But it was just a, like it's got this great ever soundtrack, great storytelling, you would love this movie, Paul. Like, I presume it's probably aged like fine wine. So yeah. if you ever get the chance, give it a go. Uh,
1: I think, with respect, I think Terence Stamper's the one that gets me across the line. The idea of him playing that character feels extraordinary. Um, great picks, stand. And, I look, shout-out for you picking up on the, the Mayor of East Ham because, yeah, it was a, a support role, but he was superb, and it had to be the the perfect mix to go alongside Kate Winslet in that show, but given the nature of what that show was about, I thought uh, that's, that's a really great show. I, um I, for my honorable mention, I, I couldn't not have this as my honorable mention. I had to have it in there. Um, it's 2012's Prometheus, one of my top 10 movies in the last decade. And so this, this stuck out to me. He, play, you know, he plays the role of, of Peter Wayland and you know in, in terms of the alien universe the law of the alien universe with the with the Whalen u Tony. this was uh, a really fascinating role a really crucial role in the movie and he, you know at the time of filming he was like 40 but with the makeup in this and the way that he walks and this great voice that he does he actually convinces you that okay maybe he's not 104 but if you had to peel back the makeup you'd think that the actor was a lot older than Guy Pearce he was he was unrecognisable and he he really made Wayland quite memorable in the context of that that that, that movie and then the, the sequel. And so that's my honourable mention. Really enjoyed that performance. But the peak performance for me, Dan, funnily enough, is a movie that you mentioned earlier, which I don't think has ever happened before, where someone mentions randomly a movie that then ends up being my peak performance. But that was 2000's Memento. And this is, for me, it's one of those movies that really stands out and uh, you know I just you know no pun intended but I'd never forget it it's just it's always one of those ones that if I look back through the years it's like oh yeah it's 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 also the one that probably got Christopher Nolan on my radar as well but um guy piss absolutely rocks in this and I can't believe it's twenty two years ago to be honest you know he you know this this whole idea of him waking up and you can't remember. Well, no, he he can't make new memories. He can only remember what's in the past. Um, Carrie and Moss opposite. You know, the two of them, great chemistry. The story, brilliant writing. I would love to go back and have this as a movie of the week one day. Dan, as a as a bit of a, I know we've done occasionally where we sort of dip into like a nineties movie or something. This would be a great watch. I think that's my pick. Performance. Mm.
0: It's funny, eh, because I when I was looking back through um, Guy Pearce's sort of back catalogue, there's so many films in there I remember, but I just I don't have a solid enough recollection. Of, like you know, La Confidential is another example yeah, for me where yeah. you know he had a really big role, but I, I'm i like it's it's been so long since I've seen that movie, and you know some movies kind of stick with you and you always remember them. Um, but it you know it, it always inspires me to want to go back and watch more. It'll be interesting to see what our our listeners write in with next week.
1: Hundred percent.
0: Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures Podcast. It
1: does. And I just want to quickly say, I was just running running around for IMDB. I just spotted that guy Pearce did a Peter Whalen TED talk.
0: Mm.
1: Have you seen this?
0: Absolutely amazing. I, I have seen it on YouTube, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's I, I yeah. I've just spotted it. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it as soon as we finish recording. Um that's that's a fascinating spot. Sorry, Dan. It does indeed bring us to the end. Thank you everyone for listening. Get in touch with us as always. Let us know your your peak performance for for Guy Pearce and uh, anything else we've talked about on the podcast this week that you disagree with.
0: <laughs> Send your complaints to uh at complaints. <laughs> dot Halfmeasures.co. Half measures dot a u yeah that's right (laughs) all right a special thanks to our patreon producers samara whiting king diana kanawa and michael chalmers we couldn't do it without you if you too would like to become a patreon producer of the show then you can find those details in the show notes below but until next week everyone adios